It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. What do we have on tap? Well, only way to find that out, you have to tune in. You have to grab your ticket, get on board, put your seatbelt on. Most importantly, enjoy the ride. That's right. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and your conductor, Anthony Smith. And we are getting ready to get this train on the track. So let's get rolling. train sports talk podcast with your host and conductor anthony smith grab your tickets get on board and enjoy the ride it's the a train sports talk podcast all aboard Welcome to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Been away for at least a week or so. Been trying to get some technical glitches ironed out. Had interviews that I thought recorded that didn't record. So it's been a technical nightmare. But we're going to try to bring you a good show this evening. Got a lot to get to. So Wichita State basketball place came up just a little bit short. And let me just say, beware of message boards because you find out the idiocy of people who has no clue of what it's like to run a basketball team, probably haven't coached a basketball team. But if there was a Hall of Fame for armchair quarterbacks, uh, armchair coaches, there are a lot in these chat rooms and on these message boards. That being said, yes, the Shockers came up short this afternoon. When they could have easily folded up and said, you know what, we're done. But they show what MTXE is all about. So the improbable comeback slips away for Wichita State basketball in KC championship game loss. What the Shockers lack in shooting, they make up for it in resilience. But shooting is worth more than grit on the scoreboard, a lesson Wichita State men's basketball team learned in a 67-63 loss to San Francisco in the Hall of Fame Classic Championship game at T-Mobile Arena in Kansas City, Missouri on Tuesday afternoon. WSU's fate seemed sealed with a double-digit loss with a poor shooting team delivering its worst shooting performance to date, trolling by 13 points less than six minutes left, but an improbable rally gave the Shockers a chance to either tie or take the lead in the final 30 seconds. WSU is only left to wonder what if after Jaquan Walker, Walton, who scored a game high 21 points, pulled down a defensive rebound 
with WSU trailing 63-61, pushed the ball up the floor, slipped, and lost the ball with 24 seconds left. He slipped. It's a part of the game. It happens, WSU head coach Isaac Brown said. We trust him bringing the ball up the court. To have a potential game-tying or game-winning shot robbed by a fluke play like slipping on the court was a particularly heart-wrenching ending for WSU, which dropped to 3-2 and on the season, while San Francisco improved 6-0. Even with a flurry of scoring in the final five minutes, WSU finished the game shooting 35.4% from the field with 10 turnovers. It was tough seeing layups and other things like that not falling, said WSU star Craig Porter, who finished with 16 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 blocks, and 3 steals, but missed 15 field goals, 4 free throws, and committed 3 turnovers. Nothing could fall in for us, and really, at that point, we were just thinking defense and getting some stops to try to get some easy baskets in transition to get back in the game, and that's what we did. The improbable comeback began with WSU trailing 60-47 to with less than six minutes remaining. As Walton and Okafor hit back-to-back three-pointers, Kenny Poto blocked a shot inside, and Porter finished a reverse layup to reel off an 8-0 run to force USF timeout, to force a USF timeout with the Dons leading 60-55 with 3.33 remaining. Porter stole a pass on the ensuing possession from WSU's press, then found a cut in Walton for an emphatic dunk. The Shockers had two game-tying threes swirl in and out. Then USF's Josh Coonan, a 27% three-point shooter, with four total makes beyond the arc in five games this season, drilled his fifth three of the game to extend the Don's lead to 63-57 with 127 remaining. Coonan, a fourth-year junior whose previous career high was three triples in a game, scored 15 points, one off his career high, and shot 100% on three-pointers. I'm an everyday guy, and I just try to do the same thing every day, Coonan said. I try to stick with simple things day in and day out. Over time, I believe things will go your way, and I feel like that's what happened today. WSU still had one final push to make behind Porter, who made the front-end free throw, missed the second, and grabbed the offensive rebound two straight times to extend what became a four-point possession when Okafor finished a putback to trim USF's lead to 63-61 with 57 seconds left. The Shockers followed with another defensive stand, their seventh and an eight-possession span during the rally. But Walton's turnover allowed USF to secure the win at the free throw line. The fans were all behind us, and I felt like that really kept us going, Okafor said. We were all just trying to keep each other encouraged, Porter said. We heard the fan support telling us we're one play away, one stop away, just giving everything you got. We knew the game wasn't over. We just came up a little short. It would be difficult to script a worse first 35 minutes to start a championship game than Wichita State's offense. The Shockers reverted back to their worst tendencies of limited ball and player movement, which resulted in a lot of contested jumpers. But even when WSU managed to reach the rim, shots wouldn't fall. 
WSU shooting percentage cratered below 20% just before halftime, and the Sharkers' point per possession floated around an abysmal 0.70 for most of the game until the late rally. The Sharkers actually defended USF's dynamic duel of Khalil Shabazz and Tyrell Roberts as well as they could have hoped, as the pairing who entered averaging more than 30 points finished Tuesday with just 20 points on 30% shooting. WSU's formula had been to lean on a defense that protected the paint and forced opponents to make jumpers to beat them, a winning strategy considering opponents were making less than 23% of threes against WSU. That changed in a big way on Tuesday when USF made 12 triples, with 10 coming from Coonan, Julian Rashane, and Isaiah Hawthorne, a trio who was shooting a combined 23.9 from deep this season. But that's what separated WSU and USF on Tuesday, shot making. And that's why the Shockers had to settle for their fourth runner-up finish in an in-season tournament since last claiming a title in 2013 as the Kansas City Tournament joins a group that includes 2014 Diamond Head Classic, 2017 Maui Invitational, and the 2019 Cancun Challenge. Despite his shooting troubles, Porter left an impression on San Francisco coach Chris Gerlifson. He was a handful, and we talked about him a lot in the scouting report. He said, whenever Wichita State needs a big basket or needs to make a play, be prepared for him to be ultra-confident and aggressive. He's a heck of a player. Six offensive rebounds from a point guard. He just keeps coming at you. I told him after the game, I'm a big fan of his. And we'll be following him in Wichita State for the rest of the year. I have a lot of respect for their program. Once again, Wichita State, 67. No, San Francisco, 67. Wichita State, 63. What I'm going to do now is I am going to take a look at the box score, give you the stats, and see how things actually pan out. Wichita State had three players in double figures, led by Walton with 21, Porter with 16, and Oak. And basically what I'm seeing here is a trend that looks like these three guys are the ones that are going to carry the team this year. Looking at the stats, because the stats tell a whole lot. University of San Francisco was 22 of 56 from the field with 39.3%. From three-point line, they were 12 of 34 for 35.3%. From the free throw line, 11 of 14 for 78.6%. Wichita State, on the other hand, 23 of 65 for 35.4% from the field. 7 of 21 for 33.3% from the field. 10 of 14 from the free throw line for 71.4%. What I'm going to do here, I'm going to take a break. 
And when I come back, I'm going to get into this just a little bit more as I attempt to break down some more stats on Wichita State. So stay tuned to the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. We'll be right back after a quick word from a sponsor. Mr. Max Market, formerly known as P&P, is fully stocked for all your grocery needs. We carry the largest selection of hot links in Wichita, including the world-famous Oklahoma links from Mountain View and Rogers, Kansas links from Yoder, Colorado links from Gold Star, as well as national brands such as Siegel and Dietz. Our meat department stocks ribs, pork butts, pork chops, brisket, hams, chicken, hamburger meat, oxtails, buffalo fish, whole catfish and fillets, and much more. In season, we stock hard-to-find produce such as red, yellow, orange, and purple meat watermelon, cantaloupe, melons, tomatoes, corn, greens, okra, and more. We have a huge selection of fish fry, seasonings, sauces, and rubs including the full lines of Louisiana and Slap Ya Mama products. In addition, we have all grocery staples including flour, sugar, bread, butter, cheese, snacks, milk, and goods, candy, snacks, and drinks. This is Tracy, host of the Moonstar Podcast, and you are listening to A-Train. Buckle up, baby, and enjoy the ride. Woo! Welcome back to another segment of the A-Train podcast with your host and your conductor Anthony Smith while I'm thinking about it I want to send a shout out to this second shout out to my daughter today she was a beautiful little girl when she was born back November 22nd 1994 and she's a beautiful young lady with children of her own I am blessed with some beautiful grandchildren from a beautiful daughter. Shauna, this is your dad. I want to say happy birthday to you. Get a chance to hear this. Happy birthday to my daughter. And I want to get back into some more shocker talk. We were looking at the stats and some of the things that were kind of sticking out. Uh, the field goal percentage, 39.3% for San Francisco to 35.4% for Utah State. The three-point shooting, when you look at it, percentage-wise, we're not that far off. They shot 35.3% to our 33.3%. But here's the difference. They made 12 of 34 to our 721. Free throw percentage, San Francisco was 78.6% on 11 of 14. While we were, Wichita State was 10 of 14, 71.4%. Looking at some more stats. Total rebounds, we actually out-rebounded San Francisco 43 to 38. We had 15 offensive rebounds. Limited them to 8 offensive rebounds. But this right here will always get you. 
they had 16 assists to our eight assists. We had three blocks, there two, five steals, there six. Turnover-wise, we pretty much took care of the ball. We just had some untimely turnovers. We turned them over 12 times while only turned the ball over 10 times. And you've seen the disparity in the free throws because we had 15 personal fouls to their 13. One of the things I would like to see cleaned up, though, is the three-point shooting. We're not that great of a three-point shooting team. And I think it behooves us to steady grind on the defense, create easy baskets. Has the game changed? You're darn right the game has changed. You even have centers popping three-pointers. We don't have that luxury. That was evident in the first game of the tournament. And the memo was basically leave Kenny Poto open because he's not a three-point threat. I heard some guys on a local radio station saying it like this. God made you close to seven foot tall for a reason. Your job is to man the paint. Get the easy buckets. Get the rebounds. Get the putbacks in. Get the putbacks. And I think that's why you're starting to see Isaiah Poor Bear Chandler get some more playing time because he knows he's not a three-point shot. He knows he can make a difference in the paint. Hopefully in due time, I don't know what the holdup is, but maybe at some point get Quincy Ballard in the rotation. We have the size. We need to utilize the size. And I'm pretty sure in spite of things that are being said on these message boards, I'm pretty sure Isaac Brown will figure it out. If I can go back a couple of games, yes, the loss to Alcorn State was a very damning loss. But it's not the end of the world. There were some teams in the Pac-12 that also lost to the same caliber teams that Wichita State lost to. You don't hear their fan base talking about the coach can't coach. We need such and such back. Financially, there's a reason Wichita State got rid of their last athletic director because the undermining things that he did during the pandemic season, giving his own self a raise and an extension when we were financially strapped. You part ways with Greg Marshall, and he's sitting up somewhere, basically enjoying life, still getting paid. And we have a fan base who is not satisfied with Isaac Brown. All Isaac Brown has done in the short time that he's been around, first season, which was the fiasco of the Greg Marshall fallout, won 20-plus games won the conference, something that even Greg Marshall didn't do. Next year, he comes back. It was a letdown season. They were still over 500. 
Last I checked, even Greg Marshall didn't start his career off two back-to-back winning seasons. And to say that Isaac Brown can't coach, that he doesn't have a game plan, can I remind you of something? You're having to retool your team almost every two years like a junior college. I will say it like this. College basketball, as we once knew it, versus how we know it today, almost resembles that of a junior college team because they have turnover every two years, if not every year. Credit that to the transfer portal. Can I also share this memo with you? Greg Marshall had to deal with mass player exodus. Had to retool his team with a bunch of freshmen. And had to plug them in around Samaje Hames Jones and Marcus McDuffie. And had it not been for that senior leadership of those two seniors, who were the only two seniors on the team because they seen what was going on. That team probably would have went to hell in a handbasket had it not been for Samaje Haynes Jones. Marcus because now you fast forward to the year after yes they still had a winning season but they had some turmoil on that team they went from freshman to sophomore trying to establish who would be the alpha dog Yes, I can look back and say, yes, there were some egos on their team. There was some I-ism on that team. I can even say to this day that there has been one player on that team. When he left, he's become a college journeyman. So Greg Marshall had to deal with the transfer portal or had to deal with bringing in an influx of freshmen that end up transferring out also led to his demise thanks to one Jeff Goodman report surfacing of player abuse verbal abuse even going way back to his Winthrop days you have to stop and think what would his Winthrop days have to do with his Wichita State days be that as it may that was the demise of Greg Marshall, which led to job the reins of the job being handed over on an interim base to Isaac Brown. So now let's look at Isaac Brown and his credentials. Isaac Brown, one of college basketball's best feel-good stories. Isaac Brown begins ninth season at Wichita State and is third as head coach. He was thrust into an interim role just eight days before the start of the 2021 college basketball season. 
Brown earned the head coaching job on a permanent basis after leading a Shocker team pick seventh in the preseason to its first American Athletic Conference regular season title, as well as an at-large berth to the NCAA tournament. He was a unanimous choice for the league's Coach of the Year award. Known around the game as a player's coach and all-around people person, Brown has also proved himself resourceful in guiding the Shockers to a 31-19 record in his first two go-arounds. Under Brown's watch, several Shockers have made impressive strides in their development. Tyson Etienne went from a reserve guard to a two-time all-conference selection, earning American Co-Player of the Year honors in 2021. He signed a contract with the Atlanta Hawks in the summer of 2022 and earned a spot on the team's preseason roster. Guards Dexter Dennis and Ricky Council IV earned major conference awards in 2022 as the America's Defensive Player and Sixth Man of the Year, respectively. The 2021-22 season Shockers battled untimely injuries and illness during a 15-13 and season, highlighted by a pair of non-conference road wins over Missouri and Oklahoma State. Two of the team's most memorable performances came in overtime losses to eventual number one seed Arizona and Elite Eight participant Houston. Brown's 2021-2020-21 team opened the year one and two while playing and practicing shorthanded due to the COVID-19 protocol, but then quickly took off winning 14 of their next 16 games, including an upset sixth-ranked and final four-bound Houston on February the 18th. Shortly after Brown's interim tag was replaced with a five-year contract. On March 1st, 2000, on March 1st, 2021, Brown was formally introduced as the 26th full-time head coach in Shocker history and the state of Kansas' first black head men's basketball coach. WSU went on to finish 16-6, 11-2 in the AAC with this birth with its birth in the First four, Brown became the first rookie head coach to lead a team to the big dance since Wisconsin's Greg Gard in 2016. Brown was tabbed NABC District 24 Coach of the Year and was a finalist for a handful of national coaching honors, including the Jim Fellon Award, National Coach of the Year, Joe B. Hall Award, Top First Year Head Coach, and the Ben Job Award, Top Minority Head Coach. Shocker guards thrived in Brown's system with Etienne earning the conference's co-player of the year honor. In addition, UConn graduate Altariq Gilbert wrote a storybook ending to an injury play career. Former McDonald's All-American led the team in assists and earned third-team all-conference honors. Brown, 53, is in his ninth season overall at WSU. The first six as an assistant under Greg Marshall and his 21st at the Division I level, having served as an assistant at Louisiana Tech 2011-2014, Arkansas State 2010-2011, Arkansas 2007-2010, and South Alabama 2002-07. Combined, Brown helped lead five programs to 11-20 win seasons in 18 years with eight conference regular season titles, two conference tournament championships, 10 postseason appearances. Along the way, he coached 58 all-conference selections, 
the six NBA players. The Shockers 2021 American Athletic Conference title, game, title gives Brown championship rings from five different leagues, the AAC, the WAC, Conference USA, the Deer Valley Conference, the Sun Belt. WSU won over three-quarters of its games during Brown's time as a Shocker assistant, 2014 to 2020, going 157-50 for a .758 percentage, highlighted by four straight NCAA tournament bids, 2014 to 2018, and a run to the 2019 NIT semifinals. In addition to Marshall, Brown has learned from a number of college basketball's top minds, including current Florida head coach Mike White at Louisiana Tech, 2011-14. At Arkansas State, he worked with a pair of Final Four coaches and head coach John Brady, LSU, 2006, and assistant coach Richard Williams, Mississippi State, 1996. Brown also spent eight years under John Pelfrey at South Alabama, 2007-2010. His proximity to success is no coincidence. A 2020 stadium write-up named Brown as one of the Americans' top assistant coaches in 2019. He was invited to participate in the Top Connect program designated to identify and train future leaders in the college basketball coaching world. As an assistant, Brown's work with the Shocker Big Men was noteworthy. WSU led his conference in rebound margin for four straight seasons from 2014-2015 to 2017-2018 and ranked second nationally in that category in each of the last two years of that run. Brown's biggest big man success story was Jaime Echenique, a 6'11 center who came off the bench in junior college but developed into an all-conference performer for WSU. Echenique led the team in scoring and rebounding as a senior in 2019-20 and finished his career ranked among the school's all-time top 10 in blocked shots. Despite playing just two seasons, in December of 2021, Echenique made his debut with the Washington Wizards, becoming the NBA's first Colombian-born player. So there is just some of the credentials that we have there on Coach Isaac Brown and what he brings to the Wichita State program. So with just that little bit of a sample size, I have to ask, those of you who are on those message boards, are you sure that you want to poke that bear? Are you sure you want to say that the man seems like he has no game plan? Because those are some of the comments I've seen. Keep this in mind. My consensus is reading some of the comments, some of y'all literally want the man to fall flat on his face so you can say it's time to go. Let me run back in time. Once upon a time, Wichita State had a football program. They were coached by a man by the name of Coach Willie Jeff Jeffries, who was in multiple Hall of Fames. He went to Muskogee, Oklahoma, and draft not drafted, recruited a young man who provided years of excitement by the name of a Prince McJunkins, rest in peace. Prince McJunkins' final year 
led us to an eight and three season. We came up short against Tulsa. We knew after that year it was going to be a rebuild. Coach Jeffries did have some pieces in place, but he also had a three and eight year the following year. Not hesitating. All it took was that losing season. Never mind the body of work that was put in. But that one losing season and declining attendance led to the downfall and the ouster of Willie Jeffries. Can I share something with you? It's controversial, as this may sound. Some people were happy about that move. What you brought in to replace Jeffries, but much better. You no longer have a football program. Ron Chisholm. Just brief history there. I said that to say this. If I lived through that era, I'm pretty sure there are some that lived through that era right along with me that are still living, that are probably the same fans with the comments being made on message boards. You're just waiting failure in Isaac Brown so you can say good riddance but is that what is that really what you want knowing the financial situation that program could possibly be in you're still paying a man that's sitting at home probably watching games then you have to pay someone else because you signed to a five-year contract and then you have to pay a new coach there you're strapped with three salaries. Is that really what you want? My plea is to the real Wichita State fans. Don't be so critical. Don't be such an armchair coach that you think you know it all and you've never even coached a game. Get behind the team. Get behind the coach. It's three and two. Last I checked, that's still a winning record. There's a lot of basketball left to be played. Think before you post. Think before you speak. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. When I come back, I'm going to stir the pot up a little bit more. I'm going to shift into the NFL. You Dallas people, you're not exempt from my wrath. The question I'm going to throw out, then I'm going to go to break. Can the Dallas Cowboys win the Super Bowl? Dak Prescott. Stay tuned on the other side of this break. I will dive into that. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith.
Mr. Max Market, formerly known as P&P, is fully stocked for all your grocery needs. We carry the largest selection of hot links in Wichita, including the world-famous Oklahoma links from Mountain View and Rogers, Kansas links from Yoder, Colorado links from Gold Star as well as national brands such as Siegel, and Dietz. Our meat department stocks ribs, pork butts, pork chops, brisket, hams, chicken, hamburger meat, oxtails, buffalo fish, whole catfish and fillets, and much more. In season, we stock hard-to-find produce such as red, yellow, orange, and purple meat watermelon, cantaloupe, melons, tomatoes, corn, greens, okra, and more. We have a huge selection of fish fry, seasonings, sauces, and rubs including the full lines of Louisiana and Slap Ya Mama products. In addition, we have all grocery staples including flour, sugar, bread, butter, cheese, snacks, milk, canned goods, candy, snacks, and drinks. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. It's time for us all to grow together. So, if you would like to have your ad ran on the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, simply reach out to me at a.trainsportstalk at gmail.com or at 316-553-2010. Or, if you would like to sponsor a segment, you can also reach me at a.trainsportstalk.com at gmail.com or 316-553-2010. So let's grow together. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Grab your tickets, get on board, and enjoy the ride. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. All aboard! Welcome back to another segment of the Atrium Sports Talk Podcast. And I told you Dallas Cowboy fans aren't exempt from my wrath or wannabes or the critics, especially those of you as you listen and yes if it feels like i'm talking directly to you then there's a pretty good chance i am talking directly to you the last time i checked football is played with 11 men on offense and 11 men on defense you also have a head coach associate head coach you got coordinators with that being said, 
and I don't want to hear nothing about quarterback gets paid the big bucks. I know the quarterback gets paid the big bucks. I know the rules are geared toward protecting the quarterbacks. I understand all of that. I am not naive in my thinking, but I'm also smart enough in my thinking to be able to say this unequivocally and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Every position on that field has a responsibility. I almost dropped the name because me and a guy, we kind of have a Muhammad, when it comes to Dak Prescott, we kind of have a Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, or a Skip Bayless, Shannon Sharp mentality towards each other. To the point, I even got blocked on this Facebook page, and no, I'm not going to say his name. But chances are he will hear this podcast. This podcast will also probably end up in that chat room that's on Facebook. Those of you who don't know about it, it's called Dak Prescott versus Tony Romo. Are you kidding me? Why are we still having that argument? (laughs) Exactly. It's a joke. It's not like Romo is going to come back in building and put a uniform on. Forget about it. Romo did what he did with what he had around him. Had one good season that was taken away by the officials. Yes. I won't get fined for talking about bad officiating. To this day, Des Bryant made the catch. But back to what I'm saying. Football is played with multiple positions out on that field. And I find it very ironic, very strange, very funny that when the team wins, they win in spite of Dak Prescott. However, when the team loses, it's all on Dak Prescott. Once again, Dak only plays quarterback. Dak does not play defensive line. Dak does not play linebacker. Dak does not play defensive back. Let me go back to the Green Bay game. Some of you will agree when I say this. There was some suspect play calling in that game. You're up 28-14. Your running game is working. Why are you still trying to fling the ball all over the dang field. Look at the Minnesota game. Dak Prescott, 22 of 25, 22 of 27, 279 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. That's your game plan. Your running game, 100 and what, 50-plus yards? That's a darn good productive running game. That is 1990s Dallas Cowboys-style football. Anyway, Dak Prescott reacts to Jerry Jones' Super Bowl claim after the Cowboys' win versus the Vikings. Just like Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones, Dak Prescott firmly believes they can contend for the Super Bowl this 2022 season. 
However, he wants his team to continue building their foundation that could help them reach their goal. After the Cowboys destroyed the Minnesota Vikings 40-3 in Week 11, Jones shared his belief that his team is unequivocally a legitimate Super Bowl contender. They have been through a lot of adversities this season, but they have been able to survive and thrive, showing the winning mentality of champions. A resounding yes. Yes, unequivocally, Jones said when asked if he thinks Cowboys are Super Bowl contenders. I think we've had adversity. We are very easy. We very easily could have have more adversity. Yes, I think if we use the experience of what we're having in the season, then we're going to be playoff ready. But I sure do think that what I see out here right now is the team like that you could go get a Super Bowl with. Sure enough. Dak has no problem with Jerry Jones' statement. Besides, even before the 2022 campaign started, he has already shared his belief that they have a shot at the title. Nonetheless, Prescott doesn't want the Cowboys to think that the win against the Vikings is enough to propel them to the Super Bowl. They still have work to do, and they can't be stuck in the past. He says, I was convinced before. We're just trying to continue to build. We laid a brick last week, a pretty good one, but we've got to turn the page. Make sure we do that again Thursday, Prescott said via John Machado of The Athletic. Prescott certainly has the right mentality here. and With him leading the way, Cowboys fans can be confident that they won't lose their way as they try to end their nearly three-decade championship drought. So, can the Cowboys make it to the Super Bowl and even win with Dak Prescott? I'm going to say this. I have not changed my mind since the argument started, and I'm going to stick to it. Do I stand corrected? Yes. Joe Flacco won one Super Bowl with Baltimore Ravens. Notice how I phrased it. He won a Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens. That team was built on defense. Eli Manning won two Super Bowls with the Giants. He was not lights out. He just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Oh, and the great Tom Brady. All his rings and accolades still has two losses to the Giants. John Elway, who led the Broncos to the Super Bowl, couldn't get his ring until Terrell Davis, stud running back, came along to help get him over the hump. Dak Prescott, year. 2022-23, an ongoing debate. In some of these chat rooms, the Dak versus Tony Romo, I'm going to give you some terminologies that are being used. Dak turds, Dak sexuals, and any other derogatory term 
It's not that I am defending Dak Prescott. Let me clear that out. Does Dak make mistakes? Yes, he does. But if you look at his mistakes versus his touchdown ratio, he has more touchdown passes than he does interceptions. In other words, he takes better care of the ball than you want to give him credit for. And name me one elite quarterback, since we have terms like elite and future Hall of Fame quarterbacks, name me one that hasn't thrown an untimely interception that changed the course of a game. Okay, I'm waiting. Still waiting. My point exactly. I can give you a list. One of my all-time favorites, Roger Starbuck. He threw some untimely interceptions. Thank God we didn't have all the social media we had back then. Troy Aikman. Definitely made his share of mistakes. And we can even go as far as say either on the field or in the booth. I applaud him for speaking his mind. Since he suffered backlash from it, I'll say, take the dresses off the quarterbacks. As Mike Gundy said, if you want to come after somebody, come after me. I'm a man. Take the dresses off the quarterback. Tom Brady has made his share of mistakes that may have cost him the game. Tom Brady's also been one of the luckiest. The year in question when Seattle went to the Super Bowl and basically threw the game away to the Patriots. All Pete Carroll had to do was give the ball to Marshawn Lynch. Seattle wins that game. Oh, but let me back up. Tony Romo was our quarterback during that year when it was said that Dez Bryant didn't make the catch. Who did Dallas beat that year at Lincoln Financial Field in Seattle? They beat the Seahawks. Got robbed in Green Bay because next game would have been against Seattle. Chances are Cowboys beat the Patriots. And we're not up here talking about how lucky Tom Brady was because that was a game that he did not earn. That was a game that was gifted. The great Peyton Manning went to Denver. Got him a Super Bowl ring with the Broncos. But it was defense that carried the team. So now we look at the makeup of the Dallas Cowboys. I called out Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore does not have to be exotic with his play calling. Just play basic, sound, fundamental football. Follow your blueprint that you had this past Sunday. Rely on your run game to open up the passing game. We don't need that passing for 500 yards. It's proven. Anytime he throws for an astronomical amount, we usually have nothing to throw for. But when you taper down the game plan and make it a balanced attack, and the defense being as dominant as it's being, that is a winning formula for a trip 
to the Super Bowl. So just like Jerry Jones, just like Dak Prescott, and not being a delusional Dallas Cowboy fan, but this year is wide open. It's anybody's Super Bowl for the taking. As Jerry Jones said, unequivocally, I say yes. This team can contend for a Super Bowl. This is Anthony Smith. This has been another edition of the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Hope you have enjoyed Tuesday edition. We talked some soccer basketball. Talked some Dallas Cowboy football. Can the Cowboys make it with Dak Prescott as their quarterback? If I'm able to, that would be my poll question. Feel free to chime in on it. If I don't hear back from you no more or do another podcast before Thursday, I want to say to each and every one of you, have a blessed and happy Thanksgiving. Watch as much football as you can. But more importantly, be thankful for the life that you have. I will be celebrating two things that day. Thanksgiving Day, but also that day is November 24th. I'll be celebrating the life that was my dad, late Luke Smith, who spread his wings on that date back in 2008. He's gone, but he's not forgotten. Thankful for the time that I had with him. Until the next time, once again, I don't hear from you again. Happy Thanksgiving. Be blessed. I'll be back at you.